Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the red light, green light edition. This week, we're looking at four different pieces of legislation and where they're at in lame duck. Abortion restrictions and limits on transgender medical care both got the red light from lawmakers this week, but plans to make it harder to amend Ohio's constitution and easier to seal your criminal record were green lighted. Joining me today to explain why you should care about all of this is our fearless bureau chief, Anthony Shoemaker. Welcome back. Hey, it's good to be here. And real quick, before we get started, I want to make a pitch to you, our listeners. We've been recording Ope for about a year now. And if it's a podcast you enjoy, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen. Okay, our first topic is abortion and how further restrictions on the procedure are unlikely to become law this year. Senate President Matt Huffman says it's, quote, highly unlikely that this General Assembly will ban abortion from the moment of conception. Instead, they're going to spend the final few weeks of session working on more specific medical exemptions for the state's current ban, which is about six weeks. Yeah, the um, you know, there's a, a lot of talk about putting abortion on the ballot um, next year uh, before voters, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays into all of this, because, you know, polls show there's overwhelming support for abortion access in Ohio. Um, so um, the lawmakers are being a little cautious, worried that if they go too far, um, they're more likely to, to face voters at the ballot box. Yeah, that's something that uh, Governor DeWine got that question this week, and he said that almost exactly. He said that he hopes whatever comes out of the legislature could survive sort of a challenge by the public. And yeah, I think that's just it's a difficult needle to thread because you it seems like you have a General Assembly that opposes abortion more than the general population. Right. I mean, for, for a lot of lawmakers, it, it's, you know, one, their key issue, you know, and in very, you know, gerrymandered districts, you know, uh, you're, you're safe. You know, you, you don't have to worry about, you know, facing serious opposition. Uh, so having uh, putting it on the ballot statewide, you know, if, if the polls are accurate, show that, you know, there's coming support um, for abortion access in Ohio. Um, Ohio Right to Life President Mike Gonadakis says that you know, they're going to continue fighting for an all out ban, which is one of the one of the key reasons, you know, why you're seeing um, the effort to make amending the Constitution, which is another issue you're going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Don't skip ahead to topic <laughs> three. No, but yeah, that's definitely something we're going to touch on. But our second topic is another bill that is not moving this year. It's House Bill 454, and this is the legislation that would impact transgender medical care for minors. It would ban all gender-affirming surgeries for children until they turned 18, and then create a series of hoops for families and doctors to jump through if they wanted to put a minor on hormones or puberty blockers. The bill sponsor, Representative Gary Click, had originally said when hearings resumed right before Thanksgiving that this was a fair compromise in his mind, but then on Tuesday he said, you know, I don't think we can do this in the time we have left. I'm going to reintroduce it in January. Yeah, and you know this bill got some uh, additional attention recently when former uh, the Jeopardy champion um, Amy Schneider, Amy Schneider, who's from Dayton, um, came to testify on that. It was a packed hearing. You were there. I sat on the floor because all the chairs were taken. It was very packed. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, the, the speaker of the house said that um, they're going to gather more uh, information on it and it might come back next session. Yeah. And I think that's because there's a lot of back and forth over, you know, what kind of access to hormones, what kind of access to puberty blockers, what is the process for vetting that? What is the process of involving the parents? Like these are difficult and complex decisions that families make. And I think this is just sort of a recognition that like, you know, trying to put rules or guardrails, as uh, Representative Click says, around this process is, is complicated. And we've only got like three weeks left in the session. So it makes sense that he's like, you know, I just I don't think that's enough time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Republicans are going to still control everything when you come back. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Not no need to really rush through on something. Yeah, there'll be a Republican House, a Republican Senate, a Republican governor. It's not like there's a changing of power when the new General Assembly gets seated next year. That's a really good point. Our third topic is something that might actually pass after years of attempts to do so by state lawmakers, and that's criminal justice reform. It's a massive bill, a Christmas tree bill, if you will, at nearly a thousand pages, and it includes a laundry list of changes. It's got things like lowering penalties for underage drinking and marijuana possession, setting timelines for sealing certain criminal records, increasing the time inmates can earn off of their sentences for things like education or job training or drug treatment. It also would make certain crimes uh, bigger penalties, like it would make strang strangulation a specific felony offense. And there's this one weird part that got added, but it would prohibit something called fraudulent assisted reproduction. Yeah, there was a woman who was the um, subject of a Netflix documentary called Our Father, who spoke out on this to lawmakers this week. It, it turns out that the, the woman's parents were you know, uh, had fertility uh, problems and the, the doctor um, used his own sperm to impregnate her mother. And she found out she had more than 90 half siblings. Uh, it's such a wild story. It is crazy. Um, and so lawmakers decided, no, we need to take care of that. So they add that to the criminal uh, criminal justice package. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where um, we often say that the law takes time to catch up to technology. And obviously, as IVF, um, which is what, you know, her family underwent and to conceive as that becomes more common, more popular, like states start putting laws and guardrails around it. We've seen a lot around what do you do with embryos? What do you do in the events of deaths and divorce? And now we're looking at what do you do if the doctor that you trusted to give you a baby like misrepresented how he or she was doing it. I mean, I can't imagine having 90 half siblings. Yeah. And the other thing that's, you know, drawing a lot of attention to this is the popularity of all these DNA tests like Ancestry.com and stuff. Like oh, that, yeah. Where, you know, you go on uh, one day and you get an email that says, hey, you've got 90 matches. <laughs> I would I would be very Brothers surprised. Sisters you didn't know about that's a that's quite a family reunion. Our fourth and final topic would make it harder to amend Ohio's state constitution. It's a resolution, not a bill, that lawmakers actually want to send to voters in May of 2023. If voters passed it, it would require all further constitutional amendments to get 60% of the vote to pass instead of the current simple majority of 50% plus one. Supporters who so far are almost exclusively Republican say it should be hard to change the Constitution. But opponents, like Anthony was referencing earlier, say that we've 
we've done it by a simple majority for 100 years. And the only reason Republicans want to do this now is because voters might actually legalize recreational marijuana and protect access to abortion. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the access to abortion timing, it really draws attention to this. Again, like I mentioned earlier, the polls show overwhelming support for abortion access in Ohio. So changing the um, the requirement to where you'd have to have 60 percent of the vote does make it harder. But polls show more than 60 percent of Ohioans do support this, uh, do support abortion access. It also will play could play a role in redistricting if an amendment is if there's an effort to put an amendment on the Constitution, which um, Chief Justice uh, Maureen O'Connor has talked about wanting to do when she leaves office. Yeah. You know, and not every state allows citizens to vote on amendments to the Constitution. Certain states have different standards. Some states are very few states are as high as 60 percent. Some are at 55 percent. Some are at 50. Basically, you should know that every state kind of does this a little bit differently. So there's not like a uniform way of amending a state constitution. Um, uh, Some are much longer than others, too. Yeah. Our colleague Haley B. Miller and her um her story this week on this, she said that Florida is the only state that requires constitutional amendments to pass with 60 percent of the uh, of the vote. So um, Ohio is becoming more like Florida every day. I guess in more ways than one. Except for the weather. We don't we don't get like 80 degrees in December just yet. That's true. Um, the, the change would apply only to, to proposed constitutional amendments. You know, other statutory changes. Yeah, they would be 50. Changes, which, which the marijuana issue is likely to be would not be impacted by that. So and Haley also said that, uh, that the original plan was for amendments put forward and forward by the legislature to only require a, a majority, but they are changing that now to make, they would make that require 60% votes of vote, voters support as well. Yeah, that feels more consistent to say whether we come up with the idea or right. you come up with the idea, it, it should be 60%. They were getting some heat for the double standard there. Yeah, no, I think I think that was a, a wise change. No comment on like support or not support of the resolution, but I think just making it consistent makes sense. I but, feel like um, that's a tiny opinion I can... I can have, you know, the the effort uh, about a decade ago to legalize casino gambling in Ohio mm. did not pass by 60 percent. So, you know, that's kind of one of the examples of the kind of issue that would not have passed if the 60 percent threshold was in place. And, you know, one of the things Senate President Huffman talked about was, you know, kind of making it harder to change the Constitution. And he specifically mentioned kind of big business groups like the casinos using the Constitution that way. And one more thing before you go. The president of the Ohio State University is resigning just about two and a half years into her five-year term. Christina Johnson announced her abrupt resignation late Monday after the Columbus Dispatch, one of our papers, reported that an unnamed consulting firm was investigating her for unspecified concerns raised by her staff. And if you're wondering why I'm mentioning this, aside from the fact that it's the largest public university in the state of Ohio, I mean, the governor has weighed in on this. Lots of politicians have weighed in on this. It's just like a really big story for the state, I think. Yeah, you know, and, you know, more more details will come out about what actually happened. But, you know, she is sticking around until May. So uh, you have to think that it, may, I don't know, it must not be something extremely serious or, or they wouldn't let her stay in office that long. Yeah, but obviously something's up because she's going to have one of the shortest tenures of any Ohio State University president um, in history. And it's obviously half the time that they had contracted her for. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like, like Those concerns must have been serious 
in in one sense, but not so serious as to say like that she immediately needed to leave. Yeah. But I guess that's just my way of saying that whether it's, you know, state officials or university presidents, you know, journalists do an important job of checking up on what's going on and sort of letting you know, because shortly after it went public, she was under this investigation for these concerns. She announced her resignation. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, Check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like KashatkinTribune.com. That's C-O-S-H-O-C-T-O-N-Tribune.com.